0: Mark chapter 2, we're continuing our series there. Uh, so please open your Bibles uh, to Mark chapter 2. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit um, and your Word that we can read and, and learn about you and learn about um, um, how we should live. What does it look like to walk uh, as a disciple of your son, Jesus Christ? We thank you for that gift. We ask uh, for your Holy Spirit to help us understand your word. Help us to understand the ways in which uh, the passages might relate to us today. How they might help us in our own walk. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, um, when I was a kid, uh, we didn't have a lot of money. And I remember being in Florida. We kind of had a, a, kind of a, not a great car. I'll just say that. It wasn't a great car. And I remember very clearly being in Florida, and it was uh, my uncle driving, and we were driving in the car, and steam... And smoke, you know, started pouring out of the engine. And Florida gets hot. (laughs) So uh, he pulls over and uh, he's like, all right, it's okay. I I can take care of it. And he takes some black pepper. And he opens the radiator. And he pours the black pepper into the radiator. And then he has a... uh, kind of a milk, a milk carton, milk jug that's like cut in half that he uses as a funnel. So clearly he was expecting this to happen and he's had to do this before. Uh, and he, he puts that there and he kind of pours water into the radiator and he kind of is standing away because the water starts kicking out. And I mean, it's hot. It's, it's cr- You're not supposed to do this, by the way, while, while the car is still hot. You're not supposed to do that. But that's what he does, you know? And, uh, you know, and he closes it up, and sure enough, off we go. We start driving, and and the car seems fine. I had to look this up this week because I wasn't sure if what I saw was real or if my uncle was, like, messing with me. But this is a real fix for a leaky radiator. It's a real temporary fix for a leaky radiator. I don't understand the science behind it. I don't know how or why it works. I know not very much about cars present day, so I didn't know a lot about cars uh, when I was eight years old. But yeah, black pepper into the radiator with some water. Got the car running. Um, sometimes, Sometimes our walk with Jesus, our spiritual lives, can be a little bit like this. And what do I mean by that? Sometimes we're walking along and we're just, our walk is terrible. And and it's a rusted old car. And we think it's going to get us from point A to point B. But we break down because our spiritual lives need a lot of help. And some of us, we like to take a little bit of black pepper and we like to sprinkle a little Jesus into our spiritual lives and kind of make it stop leaking for a little bit so that we can get going again and just get on our way. When in reality, what Jesus wants to do is he, he wants to give you a sports car. Or maybe you, maybe you like a Cadillac or I don't know, whatever your favorite car is, he wants to give you the best. And he wants to drive you. He wants to take you from point A to point B. He doesn't want to have to just be a a temporary fix for your spiritual life. He wants to be the whole kit and caboodle. Our passage today is a little bit like that. And i got to tell you, uh, this passage in particular took me years to kind of understand. Um, The first several times I read it, I was like... I, don't, I do not get what he's talking about. But over time, you know, the Spirit would reveal things to me. Um, and really, this passage is telling us, look, Jesus didn't come to just patch up the old system, the old sacrificial system of the Old Testament, the way things used to be. He didn't just come to, to put patches on it. He, he came to make a whole New thing. Whole new thing. It's based on who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing for the people of God. So let's look. Uh, Mark chapter 2, verse 18. And The context of this, you'll remember from a couple of weeks ago when Joe was preaching, is um, they started, uh, they went to Matthew's house who was a tax collector, right? They were feasting. Um, so, He's eating with tax collectors and sinners and people have been healed and people are being saved and and, uh, there's forgiveness of sin that's going on. And that's the context that this happens. Uh, Verse 18, it says, John's disciples, that's John the Baptist. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and they came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast but your disciples do not? Seems like an honest question. But as you're about to discover, it's, it's, really a, um, it's really a covert claim to a superior spirituality. It's not just like, how come, how come our disciples all fast and your disciples don't? It's more like, how come your disciples don't fast because we fast, our disciples fast. You see, you see what I'm saying there? That's actually what's going on. Um, And as we dig into this, you're going to see that Jesus has authority over tradition. He has authority over tradition. And we talk about fasting for a little bit. But Jesus moves quickly from fasting into much bigger and more important concepts about the Old and the New Covenant. And that's really what's going on here. So that's kind of where we're going. Look at Jesus' response. He says to them, uh, verse 19, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Okay. Seems like an interesting response to a simple question. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast in that day. Now, uh, I want to take just a a couple minutes here to talk about fasting. Fasting today is sometimes presented like, I'm going to fast from watching TV for a while so that I can be more dedicated to to the Lord. Or I'm going to fast from partaking in alcohol for a while so that I can be more dedicated to the Lord. I'm going to fast from social media for a while so that I can be dedicated to the Lord. Uh, one, of our, one of the churches that we used to attend, does a, uh, they do like a, a January spiritual or social media fast. And I, I love it because, well, I think it's funny. It's not necessarily a bad idea, but I think it's funny because what happens is January 1st, everybody, like we, all of our friends from that church, they all start posting, hey, I'm going to go do my, my social media fast now. So if you guys don't see me for a while, it's because I'm fasting for the Lord from social media, right? Which is funny because you're not always, like, you're supposed to fast and not tell everyone that you're fasting. You're just supposed to do it, right? And then what's even funnier is usually sometime in January, at least, at least several people pop in and be like, hey, I had a birthday. Just wanted to, you know, let everyone know or something like that. Uh, Okay, I'm rejoining my fast, you know? (laughs) It's like. You know, I think it's I think it's a little comical, but uh, that's not what the kind of fasting here is. Fasting here is not partaking food, not eating. Okay, and it's not necessarily so that they can become closer to the Lord. Really, what's going on is it's a fast because it is a um, there's a, there's a sorrow. Uh, that's going on with the Jewish people in this time because they are waiting for the Messiah. So it's a fast to try to call out for the Messiah to come, to come rescue them, to come fix everything, to come make everything right. And that's why it's a little funny because they go and talk to Jesus who is the Messiah and they say, hey, our disciples fast, why don't your disciples? And Jesus could have been like, because I'm the Messiah. Let's t- it's time to celebrate. But he doesn't do that. He, he uses this imagery of a bridegroom and a wedding feast, which if you're familiar with the new covenant, this imagery, this idea of a wedding feast and a celebration is, is remarked upon in the Old Testament. That there is joy. There is uh, abundance. There's fruitfulness in the new covenant. God's blessings will be doled out. On people, I don't know if that's a word. I might have just made up a word. Do all that? I don't know. Talk to me later. But that is the idea of the new covenant. So when Jesus talks about the bridegroom and the wedding feast and that they can't feast or they can't fast while the bridegroom is present, he's saying the new covenant is coming. There is a new thing happening with the kingdom of God, and it's about me. That's what he's saying to them. And this is the amazing thing. We have to think about, in this section, what was the old and what is the new? Why is there a celebration? Why should we look at the new covenant as a good thing? So we're going to do that. The thing that that, that kind of tips us that this is about so much more than fasting. It's not just the wedding feast and the imagery here, but it's also this, uh, if you look at verse 20, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. That word taken away, it's the Greek word apairo, which only occurs three times in the New Testament. Three times. In Mark, in Matthew, and in Luke. And it's all this section. So that's, that's when it occurs. And it's this uh, idea of a forceful being taken away. The root word Iroh is also found in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 verse 8 to be specific. And if you're good Bible students, you know what Isaiah 53 is about. It's about the suffering servant, the Messiah. And this is what uh, verse 8 says. It says, Uh, By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off or cut out of the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. He was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due. Translation? Jesus will be forcefully taken. He will be killed because of the sins of the people of God who actually deserve to be killed. All of that language is right there. It's right there. That's what's going on in this passage. And then Jesus kind of moves into a, a, a new section with these two parables and uh, kind of moves the teaching a little bit further up. Look at what he says, verse 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it. The new from the old and a worse tear results. And what he's talking about here is like we said earlier, old covenant versus new covenant. The old way things were to the new way things are with Jesus. Jesus didn't come to just put patches on things. He came to completely change everything. And if you try to put a patch on it, a greater tear ensues. Verse 22. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins. And the wine is lost in the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. New wine into fresh wineskins. So we have to ask ourselves, what's going on with the old covenant, the old sacrificial system, with the new covenant, and uh, and the way things are with Jesus, and is it really better? Is it really better? I've got great news for you, it is better. Uh, How do we know it's better? Scripture. Scripture tells us it's better. If you go to the book of Hebrews... Last service, I was trying to figure out exactly which sections you should read to learn about this. And finally, I just said, just read the whole book of Hebrews because it's great. But uh, if you're trying to narrow it down, Hebrews 7 through 10 is a good section to kind of zoom in on that really speaks about the supremacy of Christ. That He is, he is better. He is better. The new covenant is better. And it's an encouragement to people who were uh, possibly uh, going back to the old ways to say, no, stand firm in your faith because Christ is better. So here's a couple sections. And let's see if we can pick out the parts that are better than the old ways. Hebrews 7, 23 through 28 says, the former priests, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing, right? The old priests, they would die. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was fitting For us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people, because this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak. But the word of the oath, that is the, uh, the, that, that is the promise of God. The promise of God, the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son made perfect forever. So what are some ways that it's a little bit better there? Well, high priests were also sinners back in the day. I don't know if you knew that, but they were. You know, uh, They would have to Uh, make sacrifices for themselves and then make sacrifices for the people. Jesus, no sin. One sacrifice, he sacrificed himself and it is an eternal sacrifice that, that lasts and atones for the sin of all who place their faith in him. I'd say that's better than having to continually make sacrifices over and over. Joe talked about this two weeks ago too. The old sacrificial system would cover the sins, right? It's this Hebrew word kofar. Um, That's the word that was used for the Old Testament sacrificial system. It covered the sins. They're still there, they were just covered. It didn't cleanse those sins until Jesus. And in Jesus, there is forgiveness for sin, true atonement. Through the blood of Christ, which was shed for you and for me. That's better. That is better. The other thing is this He always lives to make intercession for them. If you're good Bible students, then you know that the high priest was only allowed in the presence of God one time a year, one time a year. The high priest was allowed to go behind the veil to the Holy of Holies where he would be in the presence of God and and make sacrifices. Jesus? Well, he's in the presence of God like all the time. Like right now, two minutes from now, tomorrow, the next day, and, and the next day, he's at the right hand of the Father, doing what? Making intercession for you and for me. He's got the big guy's ear. He gets to speak directly to the Father about us. He intercedes for us on our behalf. All the time. I'd say that's better than the old way. Then look at this. uh, Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You can be confident and draw near to God because of the grace of Jesus Christ. He's not some far-off high priest that doesn't know anything about you, that doesn't know what you're going through, that might look down upon you in judgment if if you talked with him. He knows everything that's going on with you. And he can sympathize with it. And he can say, I know exactly how you feel. And I know what you're going through. And I have grace for you. I have grace for you. That's better. That is better than the old ways. Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus... By a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. That veil that the high priest could only go behind once a year, when Jesus was crucified on the cross, was torn in two. Signifying that all people now have access to God. It's not just for uh, this... this uh, One high priest to do once a year. All people have access to God. All the time. Through your prayer. Through the Holy Spirit inside you. Through Jesus interceding on your behalf. It was a new living way which He inaugurated for us through the veil that is His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The new covenant, the fact that we are under grace and not under law is a very good thing. It is better. Amen? Amen. I would encourage you not just to read these sections in Hebrews, but read about the new covenant in the Old Testament. Frank and I were just talking about that. Um, there's a section from Jeremiah in Hebrews. Um, Ezekiel has a section all about the new covenant. And that's one of my favorites because there's a lot of I statements where God is speaking and he says, I will call my people, I will make my people clean and they will be clean. It's not this idea of uh, they can get, get in their uh, They can get in their spiritual cars, and they can try to drive along, and as they break down, we're going to patch it up, and they'll be able to get there partially on their own and partially with my help. No, 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 no. It's a whole new thing with the new covenant. And God says, I will make them clean, and they will be clean. It's this idea of like, uh, sometimes I'm a lazy dad. I'm just going to say that. I've confessed my sin to you, sometimes I'm a lazy dad. And sometimes at bed or, uh, bath time, I'm, you know, I'll sit there and I'll be like, all right, there's the washcloth and soap, you know, wash yourself, you know. Um, but the idea in Ezekiel is like for when your kids are like really dirty and muddy and you got to get in there and like scrub them yourself. And it's like, no, I will make you clean. You will, you will be clean. That's the idea. God is going to do it. That's the beauty of the new covenant. It's a beautiful picture. So, um, what does this mean for us? How do we uh, profit from this passage? What can we learn from this passage? Because uh, the, the application is quite obvious if you're someone who's uh, in the Old Old Testament, old sacrificial system. It's, it's that Jesus is better. Stop trying to go back to this and just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus in, Right? But I don't see many of you making sacrifices with animals and and doing things like that. So for us, it's a little bit different how this plays out. So let's think about it. First, I I have three, uh, I mean, two, three, I don't know. Two of them are so close together. Maybe it's just two. But uh, kind of primary applications for you. The first one is this. Check, Check your heart. You need to check your heart. Why do I say that? Well, that's what's going on here a little bit. There's a prideful piety in these Pharisees that they fast two days a week. It's not, it's, that, that wasn't a mandatory fast for all Jewish people. All Jewish people were required to fast uh, once a year, okay? The Pharisees did some extra fasts, you know, because they're like super spiritual, right? I, I said that in jest, just in case you couldn't tell. Um, but if you didn't measure up to their standards of fasting, oh, out comes the finger, right? They're going to point their finger at you. It's like uh, in the parable that Jesus uh, says about the, uh, about the Pharisee and, and the sinner when he says the Pharisee stands up so he can be seen by everybody and he prays, thank you for uh, making me who I am. Uh, I fast twice a week. And he's basically listing his accomplishments to God. Thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here. But the sinner is on his knees and beats his chest and says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And the idea of that is, who's actually the more spiritual one? The one that can say, I check all the boxes and I do all the right things and I can make God proud of me. Or the one that says, I am so broken My car can't get from point A to point B of where I need to go. I need a whole new car. I can't do it on my own. I need mercy. That is who I want to be friends with. That's the picture that Jesus drives us to, to have complete dependence upon him. So application number one, check your heart. Application uh, number two, and it kind of goes along inside of this one, is um, understand what type of culture uh, you've kind of grown up in, particularly if you've grown up in the church. A lot of us um, may have grown up in a very legalistic culture. And, you know, don't, don't dress this way you got to have skirts certain length. You can't wear jewelry. You can't have these instruments when, when you sing. You, uh, no drinking, no dancing, right? Uh, all, all of this kind of stuff is going on. And, uh, and if I'm stepping on toes and I'm going to make people mad, feel free to email me. I'd love to talk with you about it. Steve at DelrealBibleChurch.com. <laughs> I should find out if Steve ever gets hate mail from me. But, um, but seriously, I'd love to talk with you about it. Um, I first want to point out this. Some of these rules that get started, they really start from a good place. Like, the idea is this. If there's a lot of hazards out there in the world and we want people to succeed, let's help them by giving them some guidelines. The problem is this. When the guidelines become a law that now you are trying to live up to, and you completely forget about the grace of God, you have just basically moved back to the old covenant. Do you guys see that? It's subtle, but it happens. This this doesn't mean that we we just go on sinning, sin more. Romans talks about this in uh, chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. And by the way, that phrase may it never be that Paul uses, it's the strongest way in the Greek language to say no. It is the strongest way to say no. So we don't just continue to sin so that grace may abound, but we also need to be aware of the ways in which uh, legalism can take hold of our hearts and we move back into that uh, habit pattern of trying to earn our way into God's presence. Instead of being completely dependent upon who Jesus is and the grace and the mercy that he bestows upon us. Okay? And the third one is this how do we actually avoid some of that stuff? Uh, you have to know what are the core truths, the core tenets of the faith. You gotta read the scriptures. How do you know the core truths, core tenets? Read the scriptures. Be involved in regular community. Get involved in the groups. Get involved in the Schutzler's group that's starting tomorrow. So that you can ask really good questions and people can help you understand. The, the walk with God was never meant to be a, a Lone Ranger thing. It was always meant to be done in community with believers. So get involved. okay? Um, read the scriptures. Read the creeds. Um, we're about to sing a song before the Lord's Supper, uh, that really is just a restatement of a creed. It's containing core spiritual truths. Okay? So, check your heart. Understand what type of a background you're coming from so you can be aware of the patterns in which uh, legalism may grab hold of your heart. And know the core truths of, uh, of the faith. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, God, I just ask that you would, uh, you would look at our hearts. You would help us to see that, um, that your Son is better. That what you've done for us through your Son Jesus is better. That we can throw everything about our lives upon him. And we can trust the grace and the mercy which is available through the blood of your son, Jesus. Oh, Father, will you, will you help through the power of your Holy Spirit? Show us in our hearts the ways in which uh, we, we try to live on our own, where we just take a little patchwork from your son. And will you help us see that, man, we want to be, a, we want to be in a completely new car. We, we want to rely fully upon Jesus. Oh, Father, will you do that for us? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.